Have you ever felt that your health journey was simply chaotic? Have you ever felt that your health journey was maybe a type of hell, one where you didn't know how to get out of? Have you ever felt that all you wanted in your life and your health was a little order, some clear next steps that would work, and a path that would get you and keep you healthy? I recently finished the book 12 Rules for Life by Jordan B. Peterson, and these elements of chaos, order, and hell hit me strongly in his book. Jordan B. Peterson is a renowned psychologist who is on a mission to make sense of life. He combines philosophy, psychology, and the importance of story to creating human meaning to explore subjects such as suffering, failing in life, and succeeding. When I originally read his book, I had no idea that I would connect to it so strongly in terms of health. But the more I read his book, the more parallels I saw to what Jordan B. Peterson was saying and the experience that both I and my clients go through and have gone through in our health. Therefore, I wanted to dedicate an episode to Jordan B. Peterson's three major concepts in his book, The 12 Rules for Life. They are chaos, order, and hell. In today's podcast, I'm going to map out what it means to walk through chaos, order, and hell in your health journey, how all three are necessary for true healing and growth, and what it looks like to walk well through each one. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. So this whole podcast was inspired by an initial quote that I read in Jordan P, excuse me, not P, B, Jordan B. Peterson's book, The 12 Rules for Life. And the quote goes like this. There was no possibility for movement upward without a corresponding move down. And I don't know about you, and but when I read this quote, it made so much sense. And it really hit me. Um, not only did it make sense, but it, it made deep sense. It, it, I felt it deeply in my soul where... If you're thinking about wanting to grow upward in any area, maybe having improved relationships, maybe having improved financial situation, and you know, for all our concerns here on the podcast, having improved health, physical health of a variety of sorts, we're thinking about wanting to move upward. But before we can can hit that upward goal, we also have to dig deeper and go and look into the root of what's going on and say, why am I having relational problems? Why am I having financial problems? Why am I having health problems? And looking it in the face and not saying, I'm going to ignore certain options. I have to look at all the options. I have to look into my soul. I have to look into the hard places. What will I have to give up to reach the goal that I want. And I've quoted John Maxwell's quote um, before on this podcast. We've shared it on Instagram, but you have to, John Maxwell, who's a leadership guru, he always says, you have to give up to go up. And there's so many applications to that concept that, you know, a lot of times John Maxwell's talking about maybe you have to give up. If you have five hobbies and you want to get better at one, you want to go up 
in one of those, and you want to be a better triathlete or a violinist or a, a knitter, you might have to give up one of your hobbies to go up so you can have more time, more focus. And there's a lot of ways we can give up to go up. But but the truth, and, and it's almost two very different ways of saying the same thing. Jordan B. Peterson saying, there's no possibility for upward, for movement upward without a corresponding move down. We even think about trees, of how when a tree wants to grow upward, it's healthiest if it grows downward, not just at the same time. It actually is healthiest if it goes grows downward first right? Those roots growing deep so it can bear the weight of the tree as it gets taller, as its branch branches spread out further, maybe as it develops fruit. And fruit is very heavy and can actually demolish a tree, if any of y'all have ever seen that. It's a very, very interesting process that a, that a tree actually bears too much fruit and it destroys itself. And we kind of try to do that in our lives, though. We basically say, I want to grow upward without doing that corresponding move down. And that, that, and that corresponding move down looks a lot of different ways. And that's this relationship of wanting to grow upward, because this whole podcast, it's all about <laughs> how can we how can we get better gut health? What's in the way of this better belly life? How can we go past just, as the intro says, just checking out our poop and taking probiotics? How can we get to the next level? What is the next level? What does the next level look like? What does it and how does it differ than what you've already been doing? And so this I have been tackling in the month of October and and even before October, um, which is when this is airing, um, even before October and in this whole past year of this podcast coming out, I've tried to sprinkle in a lot of this like mental health, psychological health, mindset uh, aspect of our health because it's it's all interwoven. And so I wanted to take this episode and just explore the th- these three dimensions of of course, moving upward and moving down. And the three dimensions that Jordan B. Peterson breaks them up as are chaos, order, and hell. And so chaos is a type of in-between um, where where nothing makes sense and we're gonna we're gonna explore all the all the aspects of chaos and why we actually need chaos in our life to to grow is a very interesting aspect um, and something that really struck me deeply as I was reading Jordan B Peterson's book um, and then hell is actually the movement downward we're gonna explore that and then order is that movement upward and and, and there's a kind of a cycle to all three of them as well. And we're going to explore all that. And so, and I am expounding a little bit on Jordan B. Peterson's work. I'm going to be quoting him, but there's some things that I have adapted specifically for y'all. So if you ever read the book and you're like, where did Jordan B. Peterson talk about like the cycles of order, chaos, and hell or something like that, um, just know that he didn't ever talk about them going in cycles necessarily. He never had like a graph or a chart or something. Um, but it was something I picked up from what he was saying, like, oh, you can you can see the cycle in his work. He was tackling so many other amazing things. And so um, this is me kind of adding layers onto some stuff I really loved in that book. I hope you can tell. So I want to start with chaos because chaos is kind of where we usually first get a little bit of awareness of of ourselves, of a situation. When everything's going right and is orderly, it's easy to not be aware of it, right? Like maybe you didn't think about your health much prior to when things starting go, started going wrong, when you were tired constantly, when you couldn't get out of bed, when you started developing a pain that wouldn't go away, whatever that thing was, um, you kind of, that's when, when awareness comes in. So chaos is interestingly enough, where we usually find ourselves in a story when we realize we're in a story, when we realize like, oh, there's a beginning, middle and end. When was the beginning? You know, and what was happening prior to the beginning? (laughs) The beginning is the chaos. And so I have here two different ways that Jordan B. Peterson describes chaos, because normally when you think of chaos, I would say I would be tempted to think of it as this unproductive force. I mean, it says chaos. I mean, inherently, it sounds destructive. But he, he, because he's a genius and I love him, um, he describes one of my favorite descriptions of chaos he has is the potential fragility of relationships and life itself. (laughs) I'm going to read that again. So his, this is chaos, his description. It's the potential fragility 
of relationships and life itself. So there's a lot of words going on there. Um, number one word that sticks out to me is fragility, actually. And, and, and that might, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that actually, that, that, measures up that chaos is think about new orleans new orleans you know this this robust city with culture and you know e economy and movement and people being destroyed by nature that was chaotic and and it was the it was the fragility of the city and of our homes when there's an earthquake or hail dents our car or whatever it is that's chaos that's just craziness and its fragility and he and he breaks it up into two categories that he points out one is relationships which it's like yeah relationships can be fragile like you build a marriage that you think is built concrete you have a relationship with a brother or sister you have a relationship with a boss or a co-worker you think a sound and something happens to you to them some event happens and you're like wow that was way more fragile than i thought and then and then he says life itself which i mean just encompasses everything and then the other aspect of this definition is the potential fragility. So it might not be an ever-present fragility, praise God. I think that that keeps us a little sane in some areas of our life. But but it's just kind of this awareness that that anything could break at any moment, right? And I think for us who are hyper aware of that, we've learned that that's not helpful for ourselves. It creates a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, but that's because we're we're merely aware of this of this force or this experience that doesn't stop it's there's no way to escape it and we see this in our books and our literature the 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 stories that mean the most to us whether that's you know beauty and the beast or harry potter or the catching fire the the hunger games essentially which this would be a great time to go back and listen to the episode uh, podcast episode health is a hero's journey if you're interested in in just thinking about the fact that that health is has a beginning, middle and end. And there's a lot of aspects to health where you're literally like Harry Potter. So if you ever want to think of yourself like Frodo or Harry Potter or Katniss Everdeen, that would be a great place to start. And just realizing you're in good company in your health journey when you're thinking about trying to overcome something insurmountable. So go check out that podcast if you haven't yet, because um, I am kind of referring back to it. But yeah, our, a lot of our best stories, they encompass chaos because it's most the most true thing. A story where nothing bad happens doesn't feel true it also sort of doesn't feel like a story but the other the other definition of chaos that and I was kind of mad when Jordan B. Peterson gave it this definition because I was like dang it I really think I can't avoid it now <laughs> I really can't even blow off chaos because of this second definition um, and he says that chaos helps us develop it's not quite a definition it's just a nature of it it's a aspect of chaos chaos helps us develop you can see maybe why i was mad because when you're in chaos when you're in new orleans just got crushed or like there is all this racial inequality and hatred going on and and the news and my facebook feed or or politics or you know my car got dented from hail or whatever it is uh, and again, really bringing back to health is always on top of mind. Potentially, if you're listening to this podcast, there's an aspect you're like the the blood chemistry test that came back and I was told it was normal. That feels chaotic. Uh, the the medication I was given that didn't work. The surgery that I was given that made things worse. Like all of that is that fragility of your body or of or even of your own solutions not working. But but then he says it helps us develop, and you're kind of like, what the heck? What the heck? Uh, Jordan B. Peterson, that's not fair. And so I'm actually going to round around back to it because chaos is really most interesting to me once we get to order. Um, and I'm going to keep order for last right now um, because you're going to see chaos makes more sense. You're like, well, how does chaos help us develop? And I really want to frame it in terms of order um, because I think order is what we're craving, right? You're listening to this and you're like, I want a little bit order and more order in my house. <laughs> I want a little bit more order and maybe knowing what foods I can eat confidently. I want a little bit more order in, you know, exactly what health appointments I have to have or need and that'll make me better. And I don't need all the extra ones. You know, you just, you just want some things to make sense. So we're going to get to order. But before we do that, we're actually going to talk about hell. So hell, Jordan B. Peterson. And by the way, so so chaos, just to make sense, that, that's kind of our first, usually it's the first place you start in the cycle. It's the first place you have awareness. 
maybe it's some of the first memories you had even as a kid. So that's like our starting place. And and now you like what you're thinking about order, but usually on your way to order, you actually hit hell, unfortunately. And I think that's a little bit of what I'm getting to when I say miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. I think miracles feel like going from chaos to order. Like there's nothing in between. <laughs> They're like, yes, I transported, I teleported from chaos to order and it was immediate and it was amazing. And I had one conversation and everything was fixed. And that happens, right? That can happen in your marriage. That can happen in your work, you know, at workplace. Um, you have some conversation or you you put create one project or you create one system and it just solves a slew of problems. Great, awesome. I see it all the time with clients I work with, this kind of very immediate response. But if you don't get an immediate response, you actually end up usually going through hell, which I think honors the fact that some people, what's the phrase, something about being content with the process, like, like the being happy in the process type stuff of the process is what people hail as more important than the end goal. The journey is more important than the destination. And that sounds cute and all, except for, I think that when people say those phrases, you know, the journey is worth the destination. And I might even say it to myself because it's true and it's, and it needs to be said, but it doesn't also weigh into the fact that usually the journey is not desired because there's a lot of pain in it, (laughs) right? There's a lot of pain. And that pain can be summarized as a hell concept. And this is also just interesting because we see concepts and and images of, of a place of hell throughout many cultures and many religions um, of, the, of this bad place you don't want to go. Um, and it's just this common concept of this very dark, empty place. And Jordan B. Peterson, as a he studies story, he studies psychology, which is just a fascinating way that he combines the two. He basically says that that hell is a type of dark night of the soul. It's the journey each of us goes through when things fall apart. Which again, I'm telling you, I I don't think I cried reading this book, but I think I was emotional. Um, the It's the dark night of the soul, the journey each of us goes through when things fall apart. And you immediately think in your mind of things falling apart, like your child being diagnosed with a intense illness or a parent getting sick unexpectedly and losing strength or um, losing your job or a car accident you never saw coming. That's That puts you now into the place of this journey you're having to take when things fall apart. And therefore, uh, like loving the process is just it's not like this obvious or necessarily easy thing, even though it can be really helpful and and still valuable. Um, but but there's a hellish quality to it. There's there's the darkness that I don't know what I'm doing next. I don't have a plan X, Y, Z, because we already went through plan A and B and G and F and H and P. <laughs> Those plans are done. Um, he also says that hell is the underworld of dark assumptions, confusion, and fear. And so it's basically you start this um, journey after things fall apart, and and I'm, I'm like, this is seriously falling apart, and you're maybe trying to keep things together and pretend things are okay or make it through the next day and, you know, just do the next thing that needs to be done, um, all these really good things. But, it, but, but when you're in that place so long or long enough, which is if you're listening to this podcast, y'all have been sick for a while. You've tried the normal stuff. If the normal stuff worked, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You'd be like, oh, I went to my gastroenterologist and he and he did a test or he gave me this medication or whatever. And I'm fine. I'm feeling great. Like you'd, you'd be fine. You would have gone from chaos to order and you'd be moving on. But if you're if you're listening to this from a health perspective, as as we're a health podcast and maybe you've been listening to us. Um, you have been on this kind of journey of things falling apart for yourself or for someone else. And when you're on it long enough, it's very easy to get into these, what he calls dark assumptions, confusion, and fear. And that's when things get like, there's a second layer. It's like the thing was bad. The car accident was bad enough. The health, you know, falling through was bad enough. The loss of a relationship or a job was bad enough. But now there's like this emotional quality of, of dark assumptions, confusion, and fear. Um, and that's, 
he he actually when he start what my one of my favorite parts when he's talking about hell is when he actually talks about he he loves story and he brings up stories from all certain cultures and stuff but some of the his favorite stories if you know him are actually from the bible and he doesn't even prescribe necessarily as a christian but he feels there's it's kind of complicated if you're curious um but he, he feels that there's a lot of truth in biblical stories no matter what and he's talking about this story of where jesus um is has gone through 40 days in the wilderness of of fast and it was he was led into the wilderness by the holy spirit and he's been not eating for 40 days he's also been without shelter like at least technical shelter maybe he found a cave but he i mean he was in the wilderness he wasn't around people um for 40 days and then satan this tempter this evil force comes to him and says and tempts him three times with three different types of temptations and Jordan B. Peterson says this is like the perfect and exact example of what hell is like. Jesus went into a type of hell of this this deprivation and this long-term deprivation of food and shelter and people and comfort. And and then at the end of that deprivation, he's tempted by someone who is not for him. He you know, Satan is not like trying to be Jesus's friend. He's trying to trying to make him trip. And and so that's this hell that Jesus is going through. Um that 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 things go from bad to worse. But the difference is, is that when you go through this hell, you actually get tools, you get prepared, you get equipment to then access order and to to grow stronger and to walk through it. You actually walk through it. And that's one of the reasons I, I titled this episode learning to walk through valleys and mountains in health because you know the valleys are the super low places mountains are the super high places mountains are when we get to order but right now we're in that that valley place and what do you do when you're in the dark night of the soul what do you do when things fall apart when you have confusion when you have fear so here's what you don't do to start off so when Jordan B. Peterson is giving this, and again, I really am using his framework because it's such a beautiful, helpful framework, I felt like. And the framework he gives is somebody who didn't handle the dark night of the soul well, which was Cain and the story of Cain and Abel, which is towards the beginning of the Bible. They were two brothers who were, you know, doing doing life, living life. Uh, one was a farmer. One was a a kept care, t- took care of sheep. And so by farmer, I mean, he took care of plants. He was a gardener more so. And one took care of sheep. And they both gave sacrifices to God. God accepted one. He accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's. And instead of Cain doing something like, hmm, why didn't you accept my sacrifice? Let me talk this through with God. He got super bitter and angry and mad, both at God and at Abel. And so he was complaining and he was bitter and he despaired and he gave up and he distrusted. That's what you might be tempted to do in hell. And, 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 possibly most likely have experienced at least a little when you are in a true long uh, pathway and journey through hell. And so what Cain does, though, is not only does he experience complaining, bitterness, despair, giving up, distrusting, he then acts on it. And it acts into this, uh, it announces itself in in him killing his brother. He succumbed to pity, self-pity, really, and despair, and out of bitterness, just kills his brother voluntarily, self-consciously, and with malice and forethought. And it's the first murder we see in the Bible, and according to the Bible's timeline, that would be probably the first murder ever of within humankind. And so it's a very striking story. Uh, Jordan P. Peterson finds it fascinating. He's got a lot that he's written on and talked about on it. But that's how you don't handle hell. That's not the helpful way. And and Cain ends up being very isolated afterwards. And, and his malice and his bitterness doesn't go away. He doesn't heal from acting on those experiences that he had of bitterness and despair. And so Jesus, on the other hand, ends up being, and I had never thought of this before as a Christian, and whether or not you're a Christian, totally fine. You might be familiar with these stories because they are, uh, at least in America, talked about, it seems like, a lot. But Jesus gets tempted, and he's the, it's this alternate uh, version, this restating of Cain's story. He's, Jesus just went through his own virtual hell 
um, not virtually, but <laughs> his own his own real hell. And and he's in the state of weakness and he could be super bitter and weak and just, you know, anybody would feel that way. And he gets tempted three times and the temptations go like this. Satan says, give up. Just here's the solution. Just do what I say. Do this the easy way. And the first thing he says is turn this rock into bread. Basically, give up. Get out of jail quickly. Take the pill. Limit your suffering. You know, don't actually heal yourself, but but just limit your suffering because you you have power. Just do sex machina yourself out of this and 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 take the stone and make it into bread. And Jesus's response is, "Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from." the mouth of God. And at first you're like, what does that mean? And, and there's there's a lot of stuff going on and there's multiple ways it can be interpreted or, or wisdom taken from it. But Jordan B. Peterson highlights that this interesting thing, he says, even under extreme privation, there are more important things than food. And once you think about that, when when maybe maybe you're hungry, but your kid's hungry too, even under your privation, there's something more important than your own food. Or um, maybe there is the economy is blown out or, or, you know, think World War II, lots of people didn't have butter on their table or sugar, like there was not enough rubber to go around. There was a lot of privations going on, but there was something more important than simply having butter and sugar and jams and rubber and nice things. And so uh, one of the solutions for, for walking through hell is being aware that there are more important things than simply your, your privation. Like your privation is real and, and the experience is real, but you can be aware of and walk through and say, what else is important under these circumstances that can kind of ground you from your own self-pity and bitterness and despair. The second temptation is Satan says, jump from this cliff and have some angels save you. And this is another version of give up. Ask God to save you. Don't stand on your own two feet. Heaven forbid. Do this the easy way. And Jesus' response is, do not put the Lord your God to the, to the test. And, and one of the things that's interesting about that response is Jesus' response was actually standing in his own authority of knowing who he was. Um, and, and, and standing in his own independence. And, and for us, it, he's basically saying, I'm not giving up. I'm standing in my own independence, my courage and my responsibility. I know God cares for me, but I don't need to manipulate him into proving it. I can take responsibility for my own actions. And then in this case, jumping off a cliff, which when you actually think about it, sounds ridiculous. You know, you're like, well, let's do something stupid and expect God to save me. And if you're in your own hell because that happened... <laughs> I am sorry. That does happen. Sometimes we do something because we think we're invincible or we think, you know, we can get away with it. And it doesn't quite happen that way. Um, but but Jesus, in this case, he's he's this perfect symbol. So he's going to do the right thing. And that even though he has all this power, he says, you know, I'm not going to I'm going to walk through this hell. I'm not going to take the easy way out because I know there's a benefit to walking through it. And so he takes responsibility. And the last temptation is Satan says, bow down and worship me and I'll give you the world. And again, he's basically saying, give up, admit that I, chaos and evil, am ruler and give me your will, give me your power and I'll take care of you, right? And we, we can think of that of... I have to admit when I say that the first thing I think of is hospital, like the healthcare system, especially just traditional hospitals. You give us your insurance, you give us your money, we'll take care of anything. You won't ever see exactly how much we're charging you. You'll be surprised by all your medical bills, but we'll take care of you. Just give me all your will, give me all your power and I'll take care of you. I'm like, ooh, it's kind of, <laughs> I'm like the hospital does amazing things, but there's, when, when it, it can't do everything, we've kind of covered that in our podcast before. If you're curious, you can listen to, for example, the podcast episode, why your labs, why your doctor says your labs look normal when you don't feel normal, with has, which has to do on how, how doctors are trained to interpret labs, especially blood chemistry. Um, I'm blanking on any of our other podcasts, but I've talked through why the hospital, the hospital system is for sick care. It's to keep you alive, but not necessarily keep you healthy. And so there's there's a certain amount where where it's not healthy or helpful to trust 
them to trust just conventional care medicine without taking responsibility for our own health. And, and you might say, Allison, I feel like I've taken responsibility. There's actually always more. And, and, the, and the journey of hell is saying there's still more. You think, well, isn't it enough? Jesus went 40 days without food. You know, isn't it enough that he had no shelter and no friends around for 40 days? And now he's getting tempted. That's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. And Jordan B. Peterson really points out in his book, suffering exists. Life is not fair. What do you do when you confront those two facts? Because they will confront everyone. So, and they might confront everyone in a different way. But but how are you going to confront it when you confront it? And so really, it's, it's a call to courage. It's a call to bravery. It's a call to what to self-analysis. What am I doing right now that is not helping me? It's not serving me the way I thought it might be serving me. Is it distrust? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? I've seen that in some of my clients um, of, you know, when they experience and, and sometimes they walk through it and, and it's okay to realize maybe a surgeon didn't do you very well. Maybe a doctor didn't do you very well. Maybe another health practitioner didn't do you very well. Maybe your boss or whoever you feel impacted your health up to this point. Yeah, maybe it was wasn't fair and and not having to deny it and be like uh, you know absolve them of of their impact but but realizing that bitterness and unforgiveness only hurts you and and it keeps you in a place where you might even be led to like Cain maybe not killing someone but but self-harm others harm anger just staying in that personal hell and never coming out because the goal is to come out of hell so what do you need to do to get out of it like I said, Cain never got out of his own hell. There's no reason to to think that he did. Um, he killed his own brother. There was a lot of damage that came from that. And so Jesus is in his own. How does he how does he successfully get out of this forty days in the wilderness? And so this is the temptation of hell to give up, to become bitter, to stop trusting, to stop trying, to blame others, to not take responsibility, to give God others or the world the proverbial finger and hold down until you die. And so the solution is, um, Jordan B. Peterson writes, is really succinct, to take personal responsibility for the depravity of humanity, aka the brokenness in this world, that you encounter so to take responsibility for the depravity of him, humanity that you encounter and to confront evil consciously, fully, and voluntarily. And that actually, interestingly enough, gets us into order because hell, um, you're walking through hell, you're coming into all these like really horrible things, you're having some crazy emotions. And and just so y'all know, in case you're like, this Jordan B. Peterson guy is, I don't know, too lofty. He he has deeply, deeply studied the horrors of the the 20th century. So thinking World War II, Auschwitz, just like mass murder, Mao's regime, just like all these super interesting things, because he was so abhorred by the things that he was learning and went through his own personal crisis when he was, I think, in his 20s, if I remember correctly. And so he actually brings that up. And in, in, in this section where he's talking about hell, um, especially in relation to Jesus, he brings up Auschwitz and the fact that um, there's, a, I'm blanking on who it was, but there's a person who's been quoted who says, there should be no poetry after Auschwitz. And, and your heart sympathizes with that and says, yeah, that makes sense. And maybe you feel that way too. There should be no poetry after the pain I've gone through, the constant pain, the, the, the lack of, um, of the confusion, the, the lack of, of any relief or reprieve from the things you've been going through, from the lack of answers, the lack of compassion from doctors, who, whatever it is. And yet that's not going to get you out of hell. So what's going to get you out of hell? We're going to talk about order. And so order... Uh, the beginning of it, the connection is the, this quote that I just said. I'm going to re-say it. To confront evil consciously, fully, involuntarily. And that's opposed to blame, bitterness, not trusting others, and even willful blindness. <laughs> I don't have any part in this health problem. I'm a victim. Um, yes. Have other people impacted you? Totally. For sure. 100%. And even if you do believe that, that you're, you have responsibility, what do you do now? So let's talk about order. I actually want to start the order section with another book that I'm reading because y'all I'm reading too many books right now. Uh, it's by a woman named Ingrid. I think her last name's 
would be pronounced bachi. It's B-A-C-C-I, but maybe it could be baki because we're in America. So we make up our own pronunciations. Uh, But she is a PhD uh, and she was a successful assistant professor of philosophy at the State University of New York. And she wrote the book, The Art of Effortless Living, which is where the story comes from. She was this assistant professor of philosophy in her mid-20s, very successful her for her age, when her health seemingly and suddenly dropped out beneath her feet. She got out of bed one morning and she swung her legs over her bed, only to find that her legs wouldn't hold her weight. She had to crawl on her hands and knees to the bathroom, and in the days and weeks after this morning happened, she slowly lost her strength even to the point where she couldn't write in her own office and she eventually became bedridden. Despite going to the best medical experts afforded to her in New York City, no one knew what was going on and she was in constant pain on top of having no strength. She was so weak that she had to have a bedpan next to her to her bed because she couldn't make it to a actual toilet. And so she stayed in this limbo for three years, going to conventional doctors and waiting for answers before she was even willing to go to anything kind of alternative or complementary. So this happened in her life. The sickness happened after a long history of success and achievement. She graduated top of her class at a private high school. She attended Harvard and then Cambridge University. She got her PhD at Columbia University. She was married to a very wealthy and successful man, and she claimed that she had her dream home in New York City. She reports in her book that she also had no, absolutely no financial worries, She seems like, and even when she tells a story, she's trying to be as honest with herself as she possibly can, that she was pretty happy. Like there was, there was a lot of good things going on for her. Um, And, and when you, when I share this story, I imagine there's an aspect of you where you're like, this is not a new story. It's not unfamiliar to us, but it is overcomable. And that's where a lot of times you might be the only person who you feel like your bottom, your health bottomed out, maybe to the depth that that it has for anybody else. And that's why other people don't have, they all have like paltry, like, have you tried gluten-free or something? And you're like, yes, I currently am gluten-free or whatever it is. And you don't feel better. And so in in Ingrid's book, The Art of Everless Living, Living, excuse me, The Art of Effortless Living, she tells about her story and and how she went from this three years of having no answers to, I mean, she walks, she talks, she's she's, I'd say, a, a relatively normal human being now. And what she now teaches is what gives you the power and makes you free. That's her focus. What gives you power and makes you free. And she says about her own healing journey, which is a hundred percent what we talked about in the episode health is a hero's journey that she did not have a clear map of where she was going that was what she says when she started when she stopped just going to conventional doctors and started looking into alternative and complementary methods she said um it wasn't immediate healing. She didn't go from chaos to order immediately. She went through hell. Um, she had been going through hell. She said she didn't have a clear map of where she was going, but she was taking responsibility. And you can see that in her story. She took responsibility. She kept trying new things, doing Feldenkrais, doing um, something called, uh, I'm totally blanking what it's called. Uh, da, 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 da. She did something called Feldenkrais, which wasn't the big thing. Um, Alexander the Alexander Technique, which is super interesting because I did Alexander Technique when I was a vocalist. If you've never heard of it, it's kind of like a mindful body movement and body 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 balance uh, therapy. Super, super interesting and, and beautiful work. But um, you can be pushed into chaos and hell, but it does not mean you'll engage with it, aka confront it or sojourn through it. You can take responsibility for your part in it. And that's when you can voluntarily be fully committed to walking through hell. And and that's I want that was the story I wanted to give with Ingrid, that she had every right to be bitter and angry and kind of uh, even above it. Like I'm above being sick. I'm this very wealthy or very successful or very smart person. I should be able to get myself out of this or I know everything there is to know. You have to really get rid of the whole I know it there everything there is to know mindset. 
And I do come across that with clients who typically don't work with us of, of, well, how does what you do really work? And I think there's some reasonable expectation of, of wanting to know like, what is, what is, how is, how is what we do different? And I've talked about this on the podcast. We have like, um, why are clients, why are clients, I'm trying to think, why are clients get better or why are clients, why we get such good results with our clients, which is a podcast episode we'll link in the show notes. And we have another podcast episode that I call how I work with my clients. So if you want more of like a visual, like timeline, time map of what it looks like, you can go to those podcast episodes and learn more. Uh, but this is, there's there's this inherent distrust that can be lodged in there of like is what you're going to do really work and that's that's a key tenant that you'll see if someone really stuck in hell who's not sure if they ever want to take responsibility and sojourn out and sojourn through hell anymore there's there's this paralysis and uh, another thing that jordan b peterson talks about which is fascinating is he says going through hell and 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 actually starting to establish order requires sacrifice. Uh, and he talks about sacrifice a lot throughout the book of, um, again, you have to, I want to think about, you know, John Maxwell, you have to give up to go up. And for sacrifice, that might be sacrificing your time, sacrificing your energy, sacrificing your pride, sacrificing your money, sacrificing your expectations. You have to sacrifice to establish order and he and he think that and he really sees that and thinks that's why there's so many religions where there's an element of sacrifice involved in it like literally usually killing something that type of sacrifice and it's not just killing or maybe it's offering up your best jewelry but it's usually offering something that is not only just in general you're offering it but you're offering the best um, and Jesus for example was the best because he was the firstborn son which in that culture was very, very important. It had a cultural meaning. Not that firstborn sons are inherently more meaningful, like on a, just like, I don't know, DNA level. It's a cultural meaning and culture is important. So it really meant a lot that he was the firstborn son, which was a very, very important role, person, um, experience. So jewelry, the more expensive your sacrifice, the more valuable your sacrifice, the more you mean it, <laughs> whatever it is you want. If you really want rain or you really want, you know, the, the floodwaters of the Nile to come, like your sacrifice better look good. And so, um, order and gaining order requires some sacrifice order. Some other in, in, interesting things about order. It's the emotion of confidence in our experiences. And this was another interesting thing. I'm like, Jordan B. Peterson's talking about order in such a weird, interesting way. I um, mean, you can kind of see how, how order, it's not this like A to Z experience. Like first you do this. It's, we think of order as like a list, like one, two, three. Order is there's a little bit of mess in it. There's that responsibility, but maybe not knowing yet where you're going. There's sacrifice, which is painful. And sacrifice is messy. I mean, whether or not you're killing anything and there's blood involved, <laughs> sacrifice is messy, right? You, there's grief involved of losing that thing you're sacrificing. There's there's fear potentially of what's going to happen if I don't have this thing anymore. Maybe it's um, changing jobs or, or spending money or um, giving your time in a certain way. Like there's there can be that nervousness. There can also be excitement, but there can be nervousness. And so um, it's, it's, and, and even with Ingrid Bocci's story, um, where she says she went three years in her own little hell and, and only went, did conventional doctors and then started doing other stuff. And she doesn't even give a timeline for when she got healthy. I haven't encountered it yet in the book, but she makes it sound like it was, it was just slow. And every day was every day or week or month, it was better. And that, that made it survivable. It being better made it survivable, not, not being miraculously done and fixed. And so, you know, with our clients, our record right now is after working with us six months for their top five symptoms, they have 50 to 80% improvement in their, in those symptoms just after six months. Is it a hundred percent? No. Um, I think that a hundred percent is, is an exciting number. I think that actually most people can probably get to 110 and 150% in their health. And, and beyond that, um, by, by learning and by applying and, and doing, um, you know, internal health, like, you know, psycho, psycho, emotional and physical health. But, but I mean, 50 to 80% is a real improvement and can get you to the next level. And that's why we call it our foundations program. When we work with someone, we're just getting your foundations back so that you have enough order that you can be balanced. Um, 
but the next thing that Jordan B. Peterson says when he's describing what order is, he says it's order is the emotion of confidence in our experiences, which is a new it's a new facet. It's like so thus far in chaos in hell, there is no confidence in experience. There's like, why the heck did Auschwitz happen? Why the heck did I get sick? Why the heck did my marriage fall apart? But order is this increased confidence in our experiences. It's understanding how we got to where we are, feeling confident in our abilities and our knowledge. And it's from here, this is how we get connected to chaos. And now we now now we have that loop. The the cycle of chaos, hell, and order. Um Now, once we have that confidence in our experiences, we're able to confront chaos, which helps us to develop. And that's something that, like I said, I was kind of bitter about chaos being something that helps us to develop. But here's why. So order um, is very foundational. It's very stabilizing. um, But it's but it's it's not challenging. Right. Order is kind of like everything is working as it should, but nothing's improving. Maybe nothing's getting worse, but not in our world. That's not how <laughs> that's not how our world works. Something's always falling apart. Um, so order is is this confidence, feeling confident in our abilities and knowledge, and then from here we we confront chaos, which helps us to develop because it challenges us. Um, and and Jordan B. Peterson says chaos invigorates us. It excites us. It's like uh, he actually uses the example of children who skateboard and they do these crazy things with their skateboard that he even admits he's like I would never do. But it's you know like jumping you know six feet over you know a set of stairs or grinding on the super long pole and like all these different things that skateboarders can do my husband's a skateboarder I'm would never do what he does it terrifies me um but there's this element it's that that kind of challenge that chaos of the fragility of the fact that the skateboard could flip the skateboard could not land how you're expecting it to you could scrape an elbow but you also could not could land that and that's what helps us get through hell that says but i could land this but this could work and you want to have a fairly good idea you don't want to be led like a blind sheep but you also don't want to be stuck in distrust and just never trust anyone ever again and eventually when you do decide to trust something and do something it will be scary because because that's just how it works. You're not quite in order yet. You're 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 headed there. And this is the value of partnering with a guide or a guru or a mentor or a friend on your journey. And I talked about in the in the podcast episode on Health as a Hero's Journey that, you know, Frodo walked with Gandalf and Harry Potter learned from his teachers and Katniss collaborated with uh, her her dress designer, Tex, for both of her dresses, but especially her catching fire dress, which is the one I remember the most. You know, these Frodo and Harry and Katniss couldn't do their hero journey alone. They were like, I got this, guys. I'm just going to go study alone. Or like, no, it'd be too embarrassing to ask for help. Or like, I don't think any of you guys can actually help, which is kind of what I feel like I hear in the health industry. And I'm so... Uh, torn because I understand why that exists. There's people who haven't helped you or there's people who've extorted. I had that, my own like creepy, I say creepy, just like untrustworthy, morally, (laughs) morally questionable, you know, chiropractor who I almost worked with. Yeah, sure. And you're like, ooh, now I know they exist. Great crap. Um, But then you don't want that to keep you from trusting someone and stepping out and, and, and asking yourself the important questions of, what does it look like? What's the value of me getting out of hell? If I am in hell, what are things that are important even in the midst of deprivation? Even when I'm deprived, you know, how valuable is my body? What, and I've challenged y'all to give yourself a number. What number would you give? Like literally a dollar value for the value of your health and your body and your ability to move and breathe. What value would you give that? Like write it down, consider it, put a mortgage on it and put that much into your health every month. Um, (laughs) Put a 30 year mortgage because I guess that's that would be even more realistic. Um, Put that down. And and that that's the scary that's that's then saying, ah I have to take responsibility. And I want to encourage you all to do that. I've been encouraged when I listen to podcasts and they challenge me. I listen to a lot of business podcasts, health podcasts. I'm like, I kind of want to be challenged. So I am challenging you guys. Um, When I created the foundations program, I wanted to bring order into an otherwise chaotic and ungrounded experience for our clients. So the foundations program is designed to stop guessing in your health. 
you actually get lab testing that is unlike anything they do in hospital care systems. It gives valuable information. And we don't just do one test. We do usually a minimum of four. Although, again, we always talk with people and make sure we know exactly which ones we want to do that are best for getting the for the best information we want. But but on average, we're finding we need four different types of lab tests to get this kind of full picture view on someone's health. So we're not guessing. We are really understanding what's going on. And so um, if you are ready to stop guessing in your health, if you are ready to find out what's really going on in your body and develop a plan to help your body heal itself, then I want to invite you to click the link in the show notes and apply for our qualifying call for our foundations program today. The foundations program that I made is for women who feel like they've tried everything in their gut health and nothing has made them better. You're tired of feeling like your health is your fault and that you'll never get better. If you're a good fit for our program, your application will be approved and you'll jump on a 30 minute phone call with me to set up your program and get you started ASAP. I would love to partner with you and help you get more order into your health journey. You are not stuck. You don't have to stay in hell and you are able to walk into order and challenge and and press into chaos so that you get growth and you are no longer stagnant. All right. I hope that you guys loved that episode on chaos, order, and hell, and just have a stronger framework for what you're going through in your health. You're not alone. You're not floating in an abyss, though, you know, chaos and hell, they feel that way. You are on a journey and it has a beginning, middle, and end, and you are allowed to trust people. It is part of your healing journey. Now, if you love this episode, we do have so much more coming down the line. As October ends, we will be jumping back into all the dirty details of health and biochemistry and our bodies. We're going to be talking about things like heavy metals and thyroid, and I'm really excited to be introducing some new content to y'all. So if you are not subscribed yet, I do encourage you and invite you to click the button and not miss a single episode of ours. Also, I do want to invite y'all, if you have been listening for a while, and I know about 200 of y'all tune in each day, which I just think is so beautiful, excuse me, every week, 200 listening to our new podcast episodes, I want to invite you to leave a rating and review on our podcast. I wish I had something to say like it's my birthday or something else cool because I know sometimes that people will think extra kind thoughts and just send a rating and review. But I just want to say, If this podcast has blessed you in any way, if you've been encouraged, if you've had an aha moment, if you've been surprised or found something interesting, I would encourage you to just click on the link in the show notes if you don't already listen on your Apple podcast, uh, Apple iTunes app, and just leave a rating and review. It would mean so much and would help so many other people find this information and heal as well. In the meantime, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. If you're new, come on over and say hi. I would love to connect with you there. And to end, I will leave us with our motto. Miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. <laughs>